0: text this morning will be chapter 4, 1, verses 1 through 16. Now Paul asked me to, to preach on the church, and I immediately thought that I need to go to the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to be taking the next six weeks or so to look a little bit deeper at the church, but the book of Ephesians, one commentator called it the gospel of the church, um, and it really does, it's God's instructions through Paul uh, for what this new society the church will look like, God's new society. So please read with me uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of Of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Please join me in prayer as we pray God's blessing on his word preached. But I pray that you would work through your word. You would illuminate your word to our hearts. You would comfort us where we need to be comforted and convict us where we need to be convicted. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I said this the other day. (laughs) Yeah, music brings me joy when I listen to it. But I don't know. I kind of feel like it's take it or leave it for me. It's not really my thing. I have to confess, I said that to my brother-in-law a few days ago while I was explaining to him why the radio in my car is off most of the time. And honestly, I feel a little silly even as I was saying those words to him. In my defense, I'm not a very musical person. I'm not musically oriented. I've never played an instrument more than learning how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb on a couple of different instruments. Um, And I, I can't even clap and sing at the same time. It's really bad. Yet, I still feel silly to be so dismissive about something like music. I, acting like it had no importance to me, even though I had the same in the same breath, I admitted that it brings me joy when I choose to listen to it. Yet, as I was thinking about this, what what feels even even more silly is that as I was studying this passage and I was looking and reflecting on, on my comment about music and. and thinking about it in light of this passage, I began to realize that I often just think of the church in the same dismissive kind of way. I often don't think that the church is important. You may be thinking to yourself, now wait a minute, you're, you're a pastor. How do you not think that the church is important? That's kind of part of the job. But a- admittedly, the thing is, when, when I start thinking of the lack of importance I oftentimes start to look at the culture and say, well, I point my finger at the culture and say, gosh, around us, this, it seems like the church is just falling in importance in our culture, and nobody really elevates it and, and prioritizes it anymore. Or I think of people who, who say things like, me and Jesus, that's all I need, and I point my finger at them. Or, or people who, who say, ah, you know, I've mean, been meaning to get back at church, but things just keep coming up, and I'm I'm too busy. But the more I thought about it, the more I began to realize that they're not the only ones who can begin to think that the church is not important. Instead of being a source of grace and life and joy, sometimes the church can become a job or a task or even just a habit that we do. And and even those who are here every week or every time the doors are open, those who are really super involved and and just really plugged in, even your pastor can lose sight of the importance of the church. Through the book of Ephesians, Paul is laying out a vision for the church, giving instructions to the early Christians of what God's new society is to look like. And though it's not comprehensive, this vision for the church, I think is laid out most clearly in chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. One commentator called it the owner's manual for the church. And as we look at this vision that Paul cast for the church, I think it helps us to answer the question, why is church so important? think about it in three ways. It's through it is important because through the church we are reminded of our unity. Through the church we are equipped for ministry and through the church we grow in maturity. Let's first consider how the church reminds us of our unity. Paul begins in verses 1 and 2 encouraging them to bear with one another in love and relate to one another with humility and gentleness and patience. As we gather together in the church, we're all just a bunch of sinners. <laughs> and we, we not only sin against God, but we sin against each other. This is why we need this reminder. We need to be re- reminded to, to relate to each other with humility and gentleness and patience in order to bear with one another and love because it's hard to be together sometimes but Paul is encouraging them to maintain this this outward and visible unity through the way they relate to one another but then if we look further in verses 4 through 6 Paul turns his attention to the invisible unbreakable unity of all Christians Paul repeats the word one, seven times in just three verses. There is much that can be said about these seven things that Paul points to that unite all Christians together in the church. But I want to point to, to one thing that I think is important. Is that at the core of this list is the Trinity. The one Spirit, the one Lord Christ. Jesus, the Son, and one God, the Father. Paul is saying that our unity as Christians is bound together in the same way as the Trinity. Stott puts it this way. uh, One commentator puts it this way. It is no more possible to split the church than it is to split the Godhead. As Christians, we are united in an unbreakable bond. We are united in one body through one spirit. We share in one hope of Christ's return. We are united in one faith in the one Lord, our Savior. We identify ourselves with Christ in one baptism. We are all in the family of our one God and Father. We share so much in common With our Christian brothers and sisters And and coming together And worship in the church Is an expression of that unity That we share with others Who, who profess the name of Christ Makes me think of um, I, I have a group of men That I meet with and Especially in seminary A group of seminary friends And we would meet together and we would pray for each other. And what we would do is we'd each take some time to share kind of the things that we need to be praying for. Uh, And we would kind of, it was an opportunity for us to, to share what we were going through and things that we really needed to be uplifted in. And we had a rule, and our rule was that when somebody was sharing something, if it was something that you also needed prayer for, or you also felt like you were struggling for, we would just raise our hand. And it was, it was just this way of, of saying, yeah, me too, like I'm there with you. Have you ever felt like you are, are alone as a Christian in the midst of a culture that is increasingly hostile to Christianity? I've had many conversations with youth over the years where they're telling me how they feel like everyone else around them is following their own sinful desires, doing things like drinking and smoking and partying and sex and and cheating in school and lying to parents. Yet, and, and they're finding it so hard to follow after Christ in the midst of all that. I know that our youth often feel alone as they're striving to live out their faith in the midst of peer pressure and sometimes even hostility. But it's not just the youth. Maybe you feel alone striving to live out your faith in the midst of work, in the, in the place of work, or, or maybe a group of friends, or, or sometimes we can feel this way when we watch the news or scroll, scroll through social media. I think Paul reminds us that the church is so important for Christians because it, it reminds us of our unity with fellow believers. It reminds us that we are not alone. I want you to just take a moment when, when you're in church, and, and even now, take a moment just to look around at everybody here that's gathered with you. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or confess particular sins. But you see that there are other people here with you. Sometimes I think we need to do a little bit more looking around when we're at church. When we sing songs of praise together, we're we're singing these words not just to God, but to one another. To remind each other of the amazing God that we worship. When we confess our sins together, we're raising our hands together, reminding each other that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. You're not alone in your struggle against sin. When we come to the table together, which we will do this morning, we're, we're all saying that we come relying on the same source of forgiveness through the body and blood of Christ. If you're here this morning and you haven't come to that same source of forgiveness and that you're not united in the same way with this family, this door is open for you. Christ has offered his forgiveness for you. As we come to church, it is a, remind, a visible reminder of the unbreakable bond we share with other believers. Again, we are one body We have one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Whatever sin it is that you're struggling with that is making you feel alone, there are others here that would raise their hand alongside of you. Whatever peer pressure you are facing, there are others here who would raise, there are others here that are there with you. Facing that same sort of peer pressure. The church is so important as we are facing these things, it reminds us that no matter how many other things that might try to divide us race, gender, age, income, political opinions, personality, etc., etc. Despite all of those things that might get in the way, even when we sin against each other, all those things that get in the way, we still share an unbreakable bond through Christ. Not only does the church remind us of our unity, it also is through the church that we are equipped for ministry. In verse seven, Paul says that, but by gra-, or, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Each one of us are given spiritual gifts, In verse 8, Paul quotes from Psalm 68, which presents this picture of God leading a triumphal victory parade up a mountain and dividing the plunder among his people. So these gifts are given as a result of Christ's victory over Satan, sin, and death. One commentator adds that the the gifts he dispenses to us are his means of restoring straining the power of sin now Christ is sharing with us a little bit of himself so that we can do the ministry in and outside of the church in order to push back on the effects of sin as we wait for, for Christ to come again yet Christ doesn't just divide the plunder among his people giving them gifts and then send them on their way and say good luck in verse eleven he talks about the leaders who, who have been given to the church, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. One commentator points out that all these gifts that Paul mentions in this particular place are, are what he calls word gifts ministries which involve teaching and preaching of the Word and God of God saying that it is through the faithful preaching and teaching of the word in the church that the saints are equipped for the ministry as we see in verse 12. So the leaders of the church were given to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Therefore, pastors and elders are not the only ones called to ministry. If you confess Christ is your Lord, you're called to ministry. In verse 16, he writes, from, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the, whole, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each and every one of us is to use the gifts that God has given to serve one another And to build the church up In love And the church is important Because it's through the faithful Preaching and teaching of God's word That Christians are equipped And trained to use Their gifts and minister to others One of my first jobs I had when I was a teenager I was a bagger at Foodland And I I go to work on the first few days, and my training basically consisted of put the cold stuff with the cold stuff and everything else in other bags. And that was it. And I I did my best to separate the cold and everything else, but nobody told me that I wasn't supposed to put as much stuff as possible in one bag. On more than one occasion, people had to come back in the store with busted bags and stuff sprawled over, all over the place because i just... <laughs> Stuffed it way too much If you've ever been given a job or task to do And and not been equipped to do it You know how frustrating that that can be But that shouldn't be the case for anyone in the church Paul here seems to provide a vision For how the church is meant to operate In order to accomplish the ministry in the world It's through all the saints That includes You, all who have come to faith in Christ. You have been given spiritual gifts by Christ himself. But you're not asked to go out and do ministry without first coming to the church to be equipped. Through the faithful preaching and teaching of God's word by the leaders who have been given to the church, You can grow in your understanding of the gospel. You can study God's word together. And then you can share it, go out and share it with others. You can invite them to come and be equipped for ministry themselves. The gifts given by Christ are varied, which is why it is important that we are all joined and held together, each part working properly. We need each other. In order for the church to be built up in love, it needs every saint working towards that goal, using their spiritual gifts. In order for them to be the church to be strong and effective pushing back against the sin, the effects of sin in the world, it needs you to use your gift. Not only is it through the church that we are reminded of our unity and equipped for ministry. In verses 13 through 16, I think we see that it's also through the church that we grow in maturity. When Paul uses the word maturity, he has in mind the process of becoming more like Christ. In verse 13, he writes, until we all attain the unity of faith And the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Pressing forward to the fullness of Christ, not only for ourselves, but for the church corporately. But Paul makes it clear that one of the purposes of the church is to help us grow in maturity, to to help us know the Son of God and become more like Him, more in His fullness. And two questions come to mind. How do we mature and why do we mature? First, how do we mature? In verse 15, it says, Rather speaking the truth in love, you are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. The church is the primary way, in the church, the primary way that we speak truth in love is through the preaching and teaching of the word of God. One commentator notes that the goal of preaching and teaching is not merely educational, but transformational. It transforms the mind in order to touch the conscience, mold the will, cleanse the affections, and sanctify the whole life. We need that. We need to come to the church to be refreshed and renewed in God's word so that we can be sanctified in the whole life. But it's not only the preaching and teaching of the Word that is a means of our maturity. It's also our fellowship with one another as we speak truth and love to one another. We are connected to one another, encouraging one another as the writer of Hebrews speaks of in chapter 10. Saying, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering For he who promised is faithful. Let us let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day draw near. We need the encouragement and love of one another in order to mature. But why do we mature? In verse 14, he says that, that we, mature, we need to mature so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every word, wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. In Paul's audience in Ephesus, they were constantly confronted with false teaching. It was important for them to mature so that they could grow in their knowledge of the Son of God and be able to discern what is true from what is false. There's so much around us, so much false teaching around us that we need to be able to discern what is true from what is false. And come and hear the word preached to help us to be able to discern that. The church is important because through it we are continually reminded of the truth through the preaching and teaching of God's word and the fellowship with one another. This makes me think of uh, I watched uh, Cars Three with our boys uh, a few days ago, and there was a scene. And if you haven't seen the movie, uh, car it's the third Cars, and um, Lightning McQueen has been a, a race car he's been driving in races for for years and years and he's coming to the end of his career but yet he's being told that he has to go back and, and train in order to beat the new faster speedier more attractive car and 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 you see that this is this is a hard thing for him to really grasp onto because Again, he's been racing for years. He knows how to do it. Why does he need to be trained? And there's this one scene where he thinks that he's been really gunning for the simulator, that he really wants to get on the simulator. And he says, I've been racing for so long. Of course I can do this. I don't need to do all these silly exercises to get me ready. Let me jump on it now. So he does. He goes and he jumps on it now, and it immediately leads to him crashing through the simulator because he wasn't ready, he didn't mature enough. But but when you think of yourself, do you think of you, that you are mature? Not just in worldly terms, but are you spiritually mature? You may say, "Well, I'm I'm much more mature than I used to be," and that's great. But do you still think you have maturing that you need to do? I'm asking this questions because I think that we can so often be blind to our own immaturity. We think that we don't need to be matured. And when we think that we don't need to mature, we, it's easy to believe that the church isn't important to us. One pastor put it this way, we admit that we are not the world expert on ourselves, but need one another And his word, in order to see ourselves clearly and to follow Christ. Life in the midst of world centered, accountability accountability given fellowship, he has said, is like throwing paint on the invisible man. Wow, I didn't know I looked like that. We need the church because all of us still have growing to do. None of us have it figured out. Sometimes that's precisely what we need to be reminded of. The writer of Hebrews says that God's word is sharper than any two edged sword. When the word is faithfully preached, it exposes our sin and reminds us that we still have growing to do. Paul gives us a vision that the church is a means to grow in maturity. Donald Miller back in 2013 said, I don't get very much out of church when I go. I don't connect with God very well there. This is a a best-selling Christian author who wrote Blue Like Jazz, which is a very popular book. And, And he wrote a series of really controversial blog posts about the church. and these posts, he was trying to explain to people why he didn't go to church anymore. He said he loved the people, but just didn't feel like going to church was the most effective use of his time. I remember when I first heard about Donald Miller saying these things about the church, I was, I was really, really upset. How could a man who had really... Gained a somewhat prominent voice in the Christian community be talking about the church like it wasn't important at all. But now I I think I realize that that same tendency to believe that the church is not important is in me too. I pray that by God's grace it will never go to that extreme but it's still in my heart. Just expresses itself in different ways I can come To church and I'm more Consumed with work and, and Other thoughts Than I am about really Wanting and, and desiring to grow In my maturity and, and to Unite with other believers And to be equipped for ministry But that's why I'm so thankful For Paul's words here in Ephesians 4 It's a reminder of the central importance of the church And the lives of Christians And these only really begin to scratch the surface For explaining why the church is important But it's still, it's, it's good to be reminded That through the church We are reminded of our unity Through the church We are equipped for ministry And through the church We grow in maturity Please pray with me Lord, I pray that you would restore in us a need for your church, a need to be united with other believers, a need to be equipped for ministry, a need to mature into your likeness. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.